Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Welcome back to Back From The Borderline, everyone. For new listeners, welcome. For returning listeners, hello again. So a few weeks ago, I was on YouTube and I came across this video called Why Is Gen Z Humor So Weird? (laughs) And I think many of us have pondered this same thing when we're looking on Reddit, Instagram, Twitter, I think we all can relate to coming across just like a random fucking meme or something. And you're like, how does anyone find this funny? And some of this stuff has been created by Gen Z. I find many of these memes and much of this content absolutely hilarious. Some of it also confuses the shit out of me. (laughs) Um, But what we all can agree on is that Gen Z is making up a large part of the content creators that are out there on the internet right now. And it's so easy to just make generalized statements like, oh, Gen Z doesn't understand what humor is, or this stuff is so stupid, or what's wrong with this generation. I've heard this from people in my generation, millennials and older generations as well. Now, this is nothing new, right? This is the way history repeats itself. The younger generations say, what are these crazy fucking kids up to? Then, and then, and then, and then, then the next generation comes in and does the same thing. There's nothing new under the sun. But rather than just shun off an entire generation, it's important that we understand them. They're creating a lot of the content we consume. They are our friends. A lot of you may be members of Gen Z. Your children, if you're a parent, you may be listening and your kids may be members of Gen Z. You may be a mental health practitioner and treating patients who are members of this generation. Overall, we need to be better at understanding each other. To circle back to this YouTube video that I came across, Why is Gen Z Humor So Weird? This video was by a creator called Mr. Sweet. That's what he goes by on YouTube. Now, at the time that I looked at this video, it had over 2.4 million views and tons of comments. And so it's very clear that this is a topic that people are interested in searching, in engaging with, and wanting to know more about. As all of you know, I am a super research nerd and I have been overwhelmed with the think pieces and articles and research that I've seen coming out of every different direction about the mental health crisis that Gen Z is facing. Now, when I watched this video, Adam, who is Mr. Sweet on YouTube, he At about seven minutes into the video, he breaks from the humor aspect of what he's covering and dives into an entire section called the sad part of Gen Z. 
I recommend that you watch the entire video, but for those of you that don't have time right now to go and click into YouTube to watch it, I am going to play a section of the video that really struck me and prompted me to reach out to Adam to have him come on and be a guest on the podcast. What makes Adam's video unique and what struck me as so poignant is that he is 20 years old. He's a member of this generation, which is a contrast to most of the research I've consumed about Gen Z and the mental health crisis they're facing. It's one thing to read a Wall Street Journal article or an article from psychology.com or a research paper. It's quite another to consume something that is the lived experience of someone from this generation. So I'm going to play the piece of Adam's video that details the sad part of Gen Z. Hi, I'm Mr. Sweet, and today I'm going to be giving you a guide into Generation Z's humor. Gen Z is the generation of limitless options. They were never forced to just listen to the radio. They could pick from any song ever created and listen to it whenever they wanted. And because so much variety exists, uniqueness is highly valued. On the flip side of that idea, mainstream content is despised. Gen Z also has some of the highest mental health issues of any generation. They're plagued with things like depression, social anxiety, and thanks to growing up with access to endless information, existential dread. So how does this relate to humor? Well, these problems and fears are all directly influencing this generation's sense of comedy. Take for example the popular subreddit called To Me IRL For Me IRL. Nearly every post is about depression, suicide, loneliness, or social anxiety. And so even for the members of the generation not experiencing these problems, their humor is equally influenced by it merely due to the exposure caused by the memes being in circulation. However, some would argue that the millennial generation started the trend of depressed humor, but whether Generation Z adopted it or not, jokes about mental illness are still incredibly present throughout Gen Z humor, if not somewhat more subtle. Since this generation is between the ages of 25 and zero, uh, most of the humor is meant for its own age group. Gen Z has an inherent drive to be counter to the popular culture. But while earlier generations might have gotten mohawks, dyed their nails black, danced publicly, or worn skirts above the ankles, Generation Z has to be much more covert about their rebellion, being as they're constantly being shut down. I matter! Shut up, Meg, you don't matter! Because gone are the days where a guy named Chad would come up to you, flick you in the chest, and call you a dork. Now that everyone is on the internet, all the time, they have thousands of people constantly telling them what they should wear, watch, eat, and that what they like is something they should be ashamed of. And if they aren't told directly, others might be publicly shamed or embarrassed, leaving the people of Gen Z to be more self-conscious, hoping that they don't one day end up on a fail compilation, Twitter page, or harassing subreddit. This constant fear of rejection has caused a generation to resort to introversion and thusly awkwardness. And most of all, they've had to resort to different ways of expressing themselves and fighting societal norms. So what have we learned? If it's popular, it's no longer funny. If it was popular a long time ago, it's funny again. If you can get away with saying that it's ironically funny, it's funny. If the punchline doesn't inherently make any sense, 
It's funny. If something's considered incredibly unfunny, it's funny. But also remember that there's nothing that Gen Z likes more than changing and hating things. So this video is likely to become obsolete within a couple of weeks. But until then, here's your guide to Generation Z's humor. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, don't stop party rocking or you might make me spill my beans all over the place. Comically large spoon, my friends. Uh, have a good one. So... I hope you enjoyed that little snippet of Adam's video, but as I said before, I highly recommend that you watch the entire video. I'm going to link it in the show notes, but immediately after watching it, I knew that I wanted to have Adam on as a guest on the podcast for many reasons. Many of my followers are members of Gen Z and I see them consuming and following pages with some of this dark humor and some of it's of course extremely funny and super relatable and hilarious but then there is this edge this dark side that is glorifying self-harm glorifying suicide and it's always under a little bit of layer of irony or humor but the darkness is still there it's so important that we understand that this humor, this dark humor, these worrisome things, they didn't just appear out of nowhere. This generation is up against so much, and I will go into that in my interview with Adam. I did so much research for this episode, I pulled out a lot of statistics, and what I came across was extremely worrying. But I also want to let you know that Adam and I finished this interview with a message of hope. Adam is himself a member of Gen Z, as I mentioned, and he has created a much healthier relationship with social media in this distraction economy that we're all living in. And I truly believe that with more awareness, we can be healthier mentally. Parents who are listening can better understand their teenagers and children that are a member of this generation and we can look towards a brighter future for ourselves so without further ado i would love to roll that intro and then we'll kick it right into my interview with adam and i hope you all enjoy it as much as i did hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You have entered back from the borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, we'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, we'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. We have got Adam Sweet, also known as Mr. Sweet, on YouTube. And Adam, before I dive into how I came across your channel and wanted to have you on the podcast, I'd love to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. Sure. Um, uh, yeah, like like she said, my name's Adam. Um, I have a YouTube channel called Mr. Sweet, where I've I've made video essays, um, kind of diving into the deeper meaning behind um, different entertainment, like video games, uh, movies, um, various aspects of internet culture. Um, and uh, recently, my video talking about Generation Z's sense of humor and and how that's developed. Um, gained a little bit of traction. So I, I assume that's how Molly and anyone else who knows who I am has found me. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, to put it mildly, it's gained a little bit of traction. <laughs> yes, a little bit. It's very sudden. Uh, before that, I had about a thousand subscribers that I grew over the course of, you know, two or three years and and, and multiple YouTube channels. So um, yeah, I'm 20. I'm I'm finishing a uh, digital film production major. I aside from that, I have very few credentials. <laughs> and you don't need any for this podcast because I don't have any fucking credentials either, other than Great. just lived experience. I came across your video called "Why Is Gen Z Humor So Weird." That's the video we're talking about. I just checked; it's racked up almost 2.5 million views, which is just crazy. And that just must be so wild on your end to know that 2.5 million people have like watched you. It's just so insane. Um, and you said that you're 20, so that makes you a part officially of Gen Z. I myself, I'm 32. I was born in 89, so I'm a millennial. For those of you who haven't watched Adam's video yet, if you can, I'm going to link to the video in the show notes, and I highly recommend that you pause the podcast and go watch the video. What I loved about the video is it starts off where you're just kind of like picking apart the nuances of Gen Z humor, but around seven minutes into the video, you do an entire piece that says the sad part of Gen Z. 
this is when I decided, wow, I have to reach out to Adam to do a podcast episode because it was so stark and profound. And it was a lot of stuff that I had already kind of been thinking, but you just articulated it so well. And I'm curious, did you initially plan to include this part in the video? Walk me through how that process was when you were putting this video together. Sure. Um, I think it's it's hard to leave out, uh, you know, the the sad side of Gen Z because it is, you know, as someone who who was in high school a couple of years ago, you know, and, and was in college recently and, and is on all of the social media um, with other people my age, it's it's everywhere. It's it's so common to hear people just confessing that they have clinical depression and like trying to like make light of it and like yeah I can't hang out you know I have crippling anxiety or or you know I just uh, you know don't really have the motivation for it. That's so normal within my age's culture. I figured this is probably something people don't know about and and I feel like it does a much better job of elaborating on on why the humor is so weird than, you know, going into, you know, this picture was funny, and then this picture, you know, the pe- people don't ask why, I, I guess is the point. And, and a lot of people who watched my video either had one of two things to say. They said, either, you're thinking too deep about this, I just think this picture is funny. And the other person saying, I feel like I get myself for the first time, <laughs> you know, because I hadn't thought about this, but it resonates with me and, and, and it is true, you know, about myself. So yeah, that was kind of the process you even touch on in part of your video where you say that it could be argued that millennials sort of started the depressed humor thing. Mm -hmm. The vast amount of my followers on BPDT, which is my Instagram page, that's where like the most of of my audiences are Gen Z. And the posts and stuff that I see them share are just that really dark ha ha ha, I'm going to kill myself vibe, right? Or ha ha ha, I'm cutting myself. I have absolutely heard millennials and other generations being like, wow, what what an annoying generation. And I actually hate that uh, response because it's like, you're exactly right. What's underneath that? Why is that happening? It's not so simple to just say, oh, (laughs) there's something wrong with Gen Z. There's, There's just so much more to unpack. I have so much more to discuss with you, but I put together like a little bit of like a who are Gen Z thing. And I'm just going to rattle this off. Gen Z are sometimes referred to as Zoomers, which I think is like the worst fucking, (laughs) I just don't like that. Sounds like they spin around. um, Researchers and popular media state that members of Gen Z are born between 95 and 2010. They're the first social generation to have grown up with access to the internet and portable digital technology from a young age. So they're called digital natives. Compared to previous generations, members of Gen Z tend to be well-behaved and risk-averse. They have lower rates of teen pregnancies and consume alcohol less often. They have higher rates of allergies, higher awareness of diagnoses and mental health problems, and more likely to be diagnosed with intellectual disabilities and psychiatric disorders than older generations. Members of Gen Z are spending more time on electronic devices and less time reading books than before, with which implications on their attention span, their vocabulary, their school grades, and their future in the modern economy. Adam Atler explained in his 2017 book, Irresistible, that members of Gen Z's addiction to electronic devices has jeopardized their ability to read nonverbal social cues, and that social media in this generation is associated with loneliness, anxiety, and fragility. What comes up for you as I'm rattling all of that off? Does that like resonate with a lot of your research as well? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, research and, and even experience, it's it's really yeah. funny because I was probably considered annoying amongst my friends that I hated the idea of inviting friends over so that you could all go on your phone silently together because that's just what you do. Almost all my friends had an iPhone, at least by middle school. So from, you know, there to, to high school, it never really ended. And um, it was funny. I actually graduated a year early from high school because I was just done with it. I just thought this social culture is so weird to me. Like I'm not yeah. making connections. I'm not relating to people like you You speak in, in memes, essentially, like people almost seem to struggle a little bit to come up with, you know, at the risk of sounding really pompous, like original things to say what yeah. they're doing instead is they're they're regurgitating like vines and, and, and Instagram posts and things you've seen. And you you struggle to have a conversation, one that lasts for more than a sentence. Shit. You, you speak for more than a sentence, people will lose attention and they will either do something else or they will talk to someone else. Doesn't matter how close you are to them, doesn't matter if it's one-on-one -on -one or if it's in a group. It it you can't hold a conversation. When it came to in, inviting my friends over and everyone's on their phone, you know, I'd be the annoying, you know, guy to be like, just put it away. I'm gonna do yes. some fun. I mean, even for me, after the pandemic, like I've been mm -hmm. working from home now for two years and even just like, I think I've done maybe two social things in like the last year and like, which is so like, even saying that out loud, I'm like, mm -hmm. oh fuck Molly, like damn. But when I am out, it's like I, I was relearning how to communicate with humans again. I'm starting to even just me feel like I can't do socializing anymore. And to hear mm -hmm. you kind of affirm that that's not just me, that's just relieving. And so for Gen Z people that are, uh, are hearing that it's not just you guys, it's literally me too. Like I, I'm yeah. feeling so I'm feeling that hard. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, I even like make jokes with my friends or whatnot. And we say like, before we hang out with people, we watch like an episode of like the office or friends to hear like, Oh, this is what normal conversation sounds like. <laughs> All right. Really? Yes. It's getting serious. Oh yeah. So do you find that you and all of your friends that are like Gen Z, they're just hanging out together is just not happening anymore. It's more no. just texting. No. And I, and I really, I, I, I can't speak to what, you know, like the females of my age are doing, but I know for guys, we don't see each other in person to hang out. We, we play video games. Yeah. That is the only way you see your friends is because you're playing video games. Um, the, the, the nice thing about it, um, is that it, it occupies enough of your brain that you kind of drop your guard a little bit. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, like if you were at a bar and you're like drinking or, or you're having like a meal or something, it's like, you're doing something that's preoccupying yeah, like, or enough you're your bowling brain. Like uh, a social lubrication. Yes. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I'm, I love video games. Like I definitely don't have any friends that play video games. I'm more oh. like playing life is strange. Like I love my little yes. like narrative shit. I tried to play red dead redemption, but as soon as like it requires like technical shooting capabilities, I get very anxious and I'm like, fuck, yeah. I'm really bad at shooting. Yeah, well, that, that whole game is just an entire other life. You have to start worrying about, you have to brush your horse consistently or it doesn't work. I kept like... shooting my horse in the head instead of petting it. <laughs> That's so traumatizing. <laughs> That's why I was literally like, oh my God. And then I kept driving, oh, like running, no. running through camps on my horse. And then I would accidentally shoot someone. And then there's a bounty out on me. And I'm just like, <sighs> I just, I just want to, I just want to like build my homestead and be tall, <laughs> just be tall, but I can't. That's... 
that's barely escapism at that point. That's yeah. like taking on new responsibility. Literally. So yeah, I'll just stick uh, with life is strange. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, no, I can understand why mm. like gaming is a thing because it's a bonding activity and also yes. it's a bonding activity you can do at home. And we mm-hmm. fucking had to be home the yeah. last couple of years. So it's like, yeah. what can you, what can you do? So I think you'll find this really interesting This actually made me kind of, it made me so sad. So I went in and I just did a ton of research. These are some stats that I came across. Gen Z has been called the most depressed generation. 70% of teens across all genders, races, and family income levels say that serious mental health struggles are significant problems among their peers, according to Pew Research Center. According to a Wall Street Journal report, Instagram is credited with worsening body image issues for one in three teenage girls. Just 45% of Gen Zs report that their mental health is good or excellent, according to the American Psychological Association. And then, unsurprisingly, mental health concerns have skyrocketed during the pandemic. Across the world, rates of depression and anxiety rose more than 25% in 2020. And the younger age groups saw a greater increase than older age groups, with 20 to 24-year-olds showing the largest leaps of all. In the U.S., the rate of depression climbed in 2021 to 33%, with one in three of Americans 18 or older reporting themselves as clinically depressed. In England, hospitalizations for self-harm doubled for teenage girls between 97 and 2018. A study by the University of Glasgow found that a number of school children in Scotland reporting sleep difficulties increased 23% in 2014 to 30% in 2018. In Canada, teenagers sleep on an average of six to seven hours a night, much less than the recommended 10 hours. And according to the Canadian Mental Health Association, only one out of five children who needed mental health services received it. And in Ontario, for example, the number of teenagers getting medical treatment for self-harm doubled in 2019 compared to 10 years prior. That is bleak. Yeah. And those are just stats. Sure. I can't even imagine how much more dramatic these numbers would be if we could get a more accurate and broader sampling. That's yeah, that's another thing. And also just considering like people would have to be very honest to to come forward and and I yes. think a lot of people aren't comfortable with that. Um I know amongst a lot of, you know, like uh, you know, my friends who who all are are guys, it's hard to coax out of them any sort of difficulty they're going through or or issues they're having because they, they they don't feel comfortable talking about it um wow. yeah and, it, and it what are those conversations in- look like for you like what do you notice in especially like your your male friends for example yeah. like how do you kind of know when your friends are going through something it's so hard to tell you really <laughs> can't tell it's almost that you have to check up regularly because yeah. otherwise you wouldn't know. Um, you know, I, I've kind of set a standard within my social circles that I am, uh, overly communicative and, and emotionally, uh, vulnerable with them, you know, but, but it also kind of comes with a, an expectation of, of them reciprocating that. So, yeah. um, it's sometimes very healthy it, by the way. Yeah. Well, you know, thanks. I try it's, it's, uh, I have a family that's, uh, we're all too involved in each other and <laughs> have created a culture of every conversation is a deep conversation. So fuck, I love that. <laughs> I wish that were the case in mine, but now I've, I've created yeah. an environment where that is the case, which is like the only way I can live. Otherwise i yeah. literally get so existential. Like what's the point? Yeah. That's so important I, to be able to have people you can, you can open up with. Cause that's all that, honestly, that's really all that therapy 
is at the end of the day, aside from yes. them being able to lend to you, like, here's an idea, you know, based on my psychological understanding, but a lot of people think what they need is therapy. Really what they need is a friend that they can just talk to. And yes. that does so much more for them. And you know, what's interesting that you bring that up is that's, that is actually accurate. I spend mm. all my time reading about psychology and while I don't have any credentials, I feel mm-hmm. like I have like an honorary psychology degree at this point, but they often say that therapeutic relationships are like reparative relationships. And basically Mm -hmm. your therapist is a mirror for the client to like mirror back your experience. And I can speak with personal experience, the same as you, where my relationship with my partner, some of my friends have been such have been therapy for me because Mm -hmm. it's just a, a way, a place for me to share these things. Have you been in therapy? What's your experience? We've been with that. Yeah, I, uh, so it was, it, it was interesting because I, I've always been like a pretty bold person, uh, in my life. I was like, you know, like the leaders of my groups, I was the guy that, that went out and did stuff. And then all of a sudden my sophomore year of, um, high school or not high school of college, I just mm-hmm. started to get panic attacks all the time out of mm-hmm. nowhere. And they were so terrifying and crippling that I was like living my life in fear of these panic attacks to happen again. Cause it, it got to where I was happening like twice a day. Like I couldn't leave my house. There was never a moment of, of peace. You know, I wasn't sleeping and I was played with that for a while. And so I got involved, um, uh, in cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, for about two years. And that was incredibly helpful for me. And the interesting thing was a lot of it just came down to having someone that's like, I hear you and you're going to be fine. But also like, I trusted that they were right. You know what I mean? Because people can tell you like, oh, I hear you. That sucks. You're okay. And you're like, I don't feel like you know what you're talking about. Also, I don't trust you, (laughs) you know, but uh, it it came down to to that person being able to to say that to me and me just being like, you're probably right. And, (laughs) you know, and, and, and then I realized that the panic attacks weren't just out of nowhere. Like there's so much stuff that I was keeping to myself and, and I wasn't bringing mm-hmm. up in front of people and didn't feel healthy about, you know, and, and after two years of that for the first time since second or third grade, I cried, which was a, it was a big wake up call. I was like, Oh, I haven't done that in forever. You know, this podcast is for, is set up for people with borderline personality disorder. So mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with BPD and I'll tell you what, I cried like five times a day. So like hearing you say that I don't like, but I'm saying like, it would be much more likely for me to cry five times in a day than to like not cry in like, like a bunch of years. Can you talk to me a little bit about what was it like to cry after so long of not crying? Cause a lot of my listeners beat themselves up for crying and they like, it's like the goal should not to be to not cry. (laughs) Right. Well, and that was my initial thing as I was like, the heck is happening to me? It was so such like a foreign feeling because I didn't understand it. Um, You know what I mean? And it it had gotten to the point where when I was in high school, I almost like tried to like coax it out of myself with like movies and stuff. Cause I was like, I don't know if this is healthy to to not cry. Yeah. And it just didn't happen because I never felt strong enough emotionally or, or like aware of things. Like I've always thought that I process everything immediately. So I never need to think about it again. And I just continued on with my life like that. And that also led me to believe I was very self-sufficient, um, emotionally. So yeah, it all just happened. I, I had, I was sitting down with my parents, uh, at dinner and they did a nice thing for me. 
And I didn't know how to, like, they gave me like a really generous gift and I didn't know how to respond. And they were like, what are you thinking? And, uh, yeah, it just, it just, you know, over and you a decade, just started crying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And what was that? Like, did you feel like a release? Was it like cleansing oh, yeah. afterwards? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it felt like something that had been pent up for, for a lot too long, um, or, or just way too long. Finally was able to come out and it, you know, there was an inciting incident of like, what am I thinking about in like direct response to your question, but it ended up coming into, all right, actually here's a string of, of baggage I've been carrying, you know, pretty much my entire life that while I'm for some reason, whatever's happening, I, for the first time feel comfortable to, to really be open. I'm going to get everything out. Um, and so I did. And since then I've just felt so much more comfortable letting other people into that, that kind of stuff aside from a therapist, but it wouldn't have happened without therapy. (laughs) That that's really, really beautiful. And I just curiously, like, have you cried since, or was that just, (sighs) that was the one time, uh, there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with not crying. It's just so Mm -hmm. like, that is just so it's just a really good example of the body just like releasing what it needs to. Right. Like, yeah. and, and cause so often, do you think that a lot of people in your generation have a similar thing of maybe it just being really pent up like this yeah. pent up emotion that they don't know what to do with it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you're not aware of it at all. You know, it's kind wow. of like, uh, you're like, you know, my sink is not draining and and you think like you're going to pull one thing out and you're just like, oh my gosh, gross. There's so much, you know, yes. <laughs> like just, just yards of hair. And I think that's how it is because you're not aware of how much is under the surface. Like with a lot of my friends, if you were like, how are you doing? They would say fine. And they wouldn't think that they're lying because they're, they're not aware of like, you know, you're on the brink of becoming an adult, like everything that comes with being like financially independent with, My God. with you know, leaving your, your, your house and your comfort, especially after the pandemic, you know, yes. I feel like most people have created kind of a nest for themselves. Um, and so the thought of leaving that and, and the existentialism of like, why am I even continuing? Like, why would I put the work into getting a job to providing for myself when I don't see value in continuing? And it's like, okay. Fuck that's so far back like that that's what needs to be repaired and and then i yes. think you can start to worry about all that other stuff but you know people don't allow themselves to continue that tangent or or aren't experienced enough with introspection to be able to have the awareness of that so that yeah. is so fascinating that you're pointing this out it actually is like perfectly segues into my next point that i had because I have some theories on this. And I think that Gen Z and millennials share a lot more than um, other generations, like mm-hmm. so much more, especially like older Gen Zs um, or Gen Zers. I saw both of those things and I like, I don't really, I mean, who knows what the actual thing is, but sure. one contributing factor I'm like super convinced is just like, because of social media, like when we feel a big feeling, like any big feeling, mm-hmm. we can immediately just distract ourselves with something else. Mm-hmm. I've been very rooted in like content and I'm convinced that part of like the mental health crisis that Gen Z and millennials are facing now is because we are always consuming something. And if a big mm-hmm. feeling pops up, we're like, let me just watch a YouTube video. Let me watch yeah. a rerun of the office. Like, let me put something running in the background so that I don't have to sit here with my thoughts. Yeah. Well, and, and it becomes pretty like layered as well with, uh, yeah, this is pretty interesting. Uh, most of my friends nowadays are 
so overstimulated to the point where video games are no longer sufficient. Like video games where you're like thinking and there's like there's puzzles and there's action and there's music and there's visuals and you're involved in all of it. That's boring to them. So they will play video. They play video games while they're watching TV or while they're dead serious. It's like you don't just watch TV. You watch TV while you're on, you know, TikTok or Reddit or you're playing video games while you're watching a movie. I can't even fathom how doing like playing a video game as well as being on my phone, as well as watching TV. I can't imagine. And, 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 and it's such a level of uh, stimulation that yes. like nothing else fulfills it. Like leaving your house is such a bore. Like imagine going on a vacation to go like, look at like, I don't know, the Grand Canyon. It's like, who yes. cares? This yes. isn't, you know, like my hands are not vibrating and I'm listening to music. That's like sending like signals in my brain. I'm releasing all the serotonin, like nothing else is sufficient except for now these like multiple uh bits of media all hitting you at the same time so i'm flabbergasted by that like and but i also feel for them as well because it's like i'm not even saying that i i don't do that because like Mm -hmm. i'm too cool it's like i don't even think my brain could handle it we are in a crisis of dwindling attention spans. I don't know if you've been on my Instagram. I basically make essays for each post and I'm finding that it resonates so much with these younger people because they're going, Mm. oh, I fucking get it. And I'm like, yeah, because you're actually, I'm literally forcing you to read and spend like two minutes instead of 20 Uh seconds. And you can't describe mental health in a 15 second TikTok video. TikTok is like cancer, I feel. I am proud to admit that I'm not on TikTok. I never will be on TikTok. I went on there for two hours maybe. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no. I felt so brain dead after that. And I get the appeal. Don't get me wrong. My friends still send me TikTok. Sometimes I'm like, okay, that was objectively funny. What do you think TikTok is doing to the brain? Uh, it, 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 It eliminates the desire to go on pretty much anything else. I'm uh, a, a bit of a recovering <laughs> TikTok It's okay. Addict. So we're like everyone I know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it is like cocaine because you're not spending the time to consider what am I going to click on? Like, that's the biggest thing. It's like you go on, you know, Netflix. To even consider people are even like watching TV at this point, you know, is like crazy. Unless it's like Squid Games is like something seasonal so you can talk about it. But they're watching that, you know, like I said before, while they're on, you know, Instagram. While they're but, tweeting about it, while they're like thinking right. about their next TikTok yeah, strategy. Yeah. And there's lo-fi in the background. and <laughs> yeah, know, Oh, yeah. Gross, oh, my like, God. Yes. Uh, and uh, yeah. So TikTok, you don't select anything. Their algorithm is better than anything else I've ever seen. Like YouTube's algorithm is just embarrassing. Like the content <laughs> is, is terrible. It's not, you don't watch something and then really the next bad. thing you're like, Oh, that is really what I, what I want to see Ooh. next. You're like, no, that was it. Now I'm going back to my homepage and finding whatever else I yep, <laughs> saw. It's so true. Yeah. And TikTok is perfectly catered to you. I mean, I was on there for initially got it in spite of, you know, not wanting to be there. And after I, you know, went through about four or five videos hitting like, you know, not interested or liked certain things. Yeah. Um, it was exactly what I wanted to see. And I I found myself spending my entire, you know, Saturday or, or Sunday on TikTok, like, you know, five or six hours. And I was like, when did this time pass? Like I, oh my God, I, I literally got a speeding ticket one time. And while I was taking my test, you know, it makes you like 
answer a question. You got to wait 45 minutes and you do that for like the entire day. I was on TikTok and I literally was bummed when the test was over because it gave me an excuse to stay on TikTok and the time flew. It was nuts. So, wow. so wait, what was you. <laughs> it cannot? What was the point that you were like, like, cause you say you're a recovering yeah. TikTok addict. Like yeah. what kind of made you be like, whoa, 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 this isn't good. Uh, when I, 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 I started to, my brother made a joke about like, man, how often do you think we reach for our phones? And I was like, Oh yeah, whatever old man, you don't know what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. I realized I was like, no, I'm reaching for my phone every two or three seconds. Like, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it was crazy. Uh-huh. It was like, you know, I sit down, I check my phone. I like start an episode. I check my phone, grab a drink, water, check my phone. It yep. was constant. And, and yep. I realized like, I don't think I would be able to leave the house without my phone without feeling like I'm just completely like naked. And oh, I, same. I hate that. Um, and it was terrible. And and so, and so getting t- rid of TikTok was the start for me. I got rid of TikTok. I got rid of Instagram. Um, the only thing I kept was YouTube because that was still a long enough factor. Yeah. You know, I was like, it's more long form and like, yeah we're losing long form content, which means to me that we're losing nuance. We're losing Mm -hmm. critical thinking. The thing that Gen Z is really lacking in my opinion, and this goes for millennials too. Do you see that as well? Yes. Every, everyone is very, because they're so deep within themselves, you know what I mean? I think they are very them focused and they're very unaware of like the humanity that everyone shares, there should be room for forgiveness of, of people making mistakes. Now, there are people that are antagonistic and, and those people need to be either, you know, ignored or, or you know. They're just, there are assholes and there's yeah. always going to be assholes, yes. right? Like, but yeah. then there's people that have, that are well-intentioned. And yes. I see that always on a lot of yes. times online. And people are actually afraid to, put content out because they're so scared that they're going to get attacked by like a pitchfork mob. And then that means we're holding people back creatively, you know? Mm -hmm. And I say, and I, and you even mentioned this in your video, you know, um, that people are even members of Gen Z. They're so afraid of being publicly shamed and being like called out in like a cringe compilation or something that they're like being paralyzed with fear. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, some of those same members of those generation are out there holding people accountable. We have to find the middle path. We have yeah. to find somewhere in the middle that we can just remember that we are all, like you said, we're all human beings and we're all flawed. Yeah. All of us are going to make a mistake. Yeah. There is no perfect level of perfection that any of us are going to attain. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think people in my, my generation specifically have the hardest time perfection understanding yeah yeah Yeah. they're like you are less than perfect therefore uh you are dead to me and you are awful (laughs) you are the enemy you know and uh, it's it's hard with like my channel too because people you know i get comments all the time where they're like i was watching until this point and then i heard you say this and i hate you the next video that you could put out could be Mm -hmm. the most mind-blowing like thing that changed someone's life but they're gonna miss out on that because they chose to judge you and make a, a vast rash decision based upon one thing yeah it honestly it feels like to an extent i don't know and this is just my view it it feels kind of like a maturity thing and it feels like much so yeah it's like an aspect of development that gets really stunted because you are 
uh, validated for treating people like that because there are adults and public figures that are like cheering you on. They're like, yeah, find the people that, that, that you hate and anyone that agrees with them suck. I know too, that there are more people out there like us, but they're Mm -hmm. actually kind of, they're not being heard because we're kind of like, we're deleting the apps. We are stepping back. And I think that's the problem. Like, well, it's not the problem. It's like, there are more of us out there. And I know that I just have a feeling that this bubble is going to burst at some point. Like we're going to look back in the history books and think about this as like a very weird fucking dystopian time on the internet. Mm -hmm. I think what, do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I hope, I hope we look back yeah, at it as dystopian God, and not as the so. norm. <laughs> God, I, that's the thing. It's it's wishful yeah. thinking on my part. Like I'm just yeah. going like things tend to work themselves out in life, uh-huh. right? Like things we will eventually realize. And I, I don't know how geeky you are, but like I think Web3 and like all the decentralization of the internet and all of this stuff is going to help with this because mm-hmm. – I hope it's my hope that people will find more pockets of just like their interests. And then this stuff will not be so polarized. I don't know. And like algorithmically driven, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my hope. One thing that I was going to mention, and I found this interesting. So like all those stats I put together, like all the contributing factors. And I want to know what you think. Like, it's basically all the stats. They said, these are all the reasons for um, Gen Z basically exploding with mental health problems and sleep issues and all this shit. And my take from all of this was like, if this were you, no fucking wonder y'all are depressed (laughs) as fuck. That's my non-researchy take. But here's what it says. The contributing factors to the increase in all these stats and the most reported ones were overparenting, perfectionism, especially in regards to schoolwork, poor sleep hygiene, due to disruptions by noise, light, and electronic devices, Mm -hmm. social isolation, social media use, fear of missing out, like basically seeing so much stuff on Instagram and being like, wow, my life fucking sucks. Mm -hmm. Shame and falling short of social media standards, financial problems, housing worries, the increase in school shootings, student debt, joblessness, the troubled political landscape, and concern over global issues such as climate change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all very legitimate concerns for depression. (laughs) My God. And I'm going to be like the nerdiest, nerdiest nerd. But like I thought, so like, yeah, I'm going there. I'm sharing my screen really quick. And it made me think of, do you know like about Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Oh, yeah. We covered that in college. (laughs) Yeah, literally. So like most people know about this, right? And Mm -hmm. let's not even talk about how like problematic Maslow is, but some of his shit was pretty good. Like he was pretty Mm -hmm. mean to dogs, like a little bit of an (laughs) asshole. Um, But, you know, we need our basic needs to be met in order Mm -hmm. to fucking transcend to the top of the hierarchy of needs. All of these down here, physiological needs, like having a job, having hope for the future, safety needs, like having a place to live, belonging and love needs, like being around Mm -hmm. humans, having physical touch, esteem needs, feeling like maybe you won't be fucking shamed and attacked when you express your creativity. None of these are being met. In order to get to the the top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you actually need to be fucking, have the ability for society to set in place a structure for you to thrive. And Gen Zs and millennials, like, we are just trying to fucking survive. Like I'm 32, right? And mm-hmm. I am 
on a very high salary compared to a lot of people my age. I've been working in tech for 10 years. I can't even fathom buying a house. So I can't even imagine how stressed out Gen Z are feeling. Like it's even Mm -hmm. more bleak, like with the pandemic making everything like in question now, why even go to college? I feel like you're going to have a bunch of student loan debt and mm-hmm. it's, and then when you go to apply for jobs, they re- they want you to have so much experience to yeah. even get in. It is just, so anyone who's listening to this, that is a parent or a mental health practitioner or anyone that's just been like, what the fuck is wrong with these generations? That's what's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It's it's unbelievable. When when you mentioned like overparenting or whatever, it yeah, was you really you really reacted to that. Uh, just every person who I knew in high school that was like considered a problematic in terms of like you know they do illegal things sometimes. It was the it was the people <laughs> with the strictest parents, and it's funny because I probably by comparison seem like the most like neutered human on planet Earth just because my parents were like. I don't know if you don't do anything wrong, like we'll, we trust you. And if you do something wrong, then, you know, maybe we give you, you know, more, more rules, but we like, they like elaborated their, their rationale for the rules that they had. And they gave me, you know, a a pretty long leash, so to speak, as, as I was, I was, you know, growing up and um, I had no desire then to do anything wrong. Cause I was like, I don't know. I have, I have as much freedom as I could want, but it was my friends who, had like, you know, 8 p.m. Uh, uh, curfews in like high school and and who, um, you know, their parents like themselves were like not incredibly well adjusted. Like I had some friends whose parents would like unload a lot of personal stuff on them, you know, because it's a lot of single parents who, you know, they were having their own issue and then they had a kid and, and it wasn't, you know, planned. And um, it just seems like a lot of really broken homes developed really broken people. And, and I think, yes. That, so then it is the responsibility of the children to, like start something new, you know, with, with, you know, when you come from, from a lineage of people that, that are not well adjusted, like it's now your responsibility to get yourself right. And then to be an influence on your family and start your own family. That that's, um, it's a hard thing to overcome. I had all my basic needs met growing up, which is very Mm. privileged position to be coming from, but certainly just no support when it comes to, like you said, deep conversations, there was none of that. So it basically made me feel crazy. And that eventually putting it very mildly made me grow up into a young woman who didn't know what a healthy relationship looked like, didn't know, have a good relationship with my own sexuality. So I felt like trying to like fill the hole with like anything and everything. And 
it's, it sets people up for, um, a difficult road to try to figure out what that looks like for you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, hearing you like just talking about your parents, it's fascinating because I have a lot of parents reaching out to me and you're such like a well-adjusted like person that, but truly, and it sounds like you have such a good relationship with your parents, but I'm curious to know, why do you think you get along so well with your parents? Like, what did they do? Right. I just feel like they were super honest with me, you know, mm. I, like I, I never felt this like deep, um, disconnect between like, they are these, you know, super high up authority figures that I, you know, will never hope to understand. And I am their child. And my purpose is to, you know, obey, like, obey and, 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 and garner their respect. And like, I don't know, they, they just had a very unconditional, like love for me as a child. They were like, you know, whoever you are, whatever you become, like, I, I love you and I'm here for you. And, you know, my dad's like the most compassionate dude on planet earth. My, my brother in high school, uh, he took, uh, my dad's Porsche to, uh, which was like my dad's like big splurge. He's loved sports cars. He spent so much time saving up for this thing. And he's like, I finally got my dream. Oh, it was like some old Porsche. Amazing. And my brother takes it to pick up his girlfriend without permission. And he crashes it. Oh, fuck. Totals this car right oh fuck and my dad was on a he was on a plane he hears about this no wait maybe it wasn't on a plane maybe it was on a business trip point was he flew back as soon as he heard about it <sighs> and he 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 gets my he meets with my brother and he like just embraced him and was like so happy that my brother was okay and he took him out to a restaurant and he let him know like how much he appreciates him and he's like look i i get that there are things that you want to do like, and, and I understand that he's like, but there's just some stuff that like, I just wish you'd like respect like me and my stuff. And at the wow. end of the day, if you had gotten hurt in that, he's like, I would not have like forgiven myself. And it's like, that was your reaction to your stupid <gasps> teenager, you know, is your dad, your, your dad is a saint. He, I think so. He, uh, <laughs> he is about as close as you get, honest to goodness. And also He's, you uh, as a young man, you and your brother is like, did you yeah. just have, is it just you and your brother? There's no other children. Me and my brother, there's a middle sister. Okay. So like to have a dad like that, especially yeah. as like a young man to have like a role model that yes. displays compassion and forgiveness mm -hmm. and also an understanding of just youth and adolescence, like the mm -hmm. fact that you're going to fuck up. Mm -hmm. That clearly has had a profound impact on you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is fucking incredible. I mean, yeah. and I know that's going to impact so many of my listeners because the vast majority of my listeners are people with BPD who have grown up with sexual abuse, maybe from their own families and verbal yeah. abuse and just horrors at, that, that you can't even imagine. So hearing mm -hmm. that is like, there are good parents out there, you know, and also we have the, the, the ability to be good parents and it's good for people to hear that that exists and also the positive impact that has on their child. So when you had, yeah. say for instance, that you had big emotions and you were really upset about something when you were growing up, how did your parents, uh, react to that and respond to you. <laughs> it was funny as the youngest, you know, I kind of got to watch as my brother and sister navigated you know, the, the difficulties of, of, of yep. you know, puberty, uh, mm -hmm. from a distance, but you know, my, my, uh, uh, <laughs> without giving too much away about people who I, I no, don't have permission to, totally. uh, <laughs> I think, um, my parents 
did their absolute best to try to remain understanding to teenagers who were in a position where it was like what they have to rebel against is such a, it's such a privilege that that is what they're struggling with. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, and so yeah. I, I think as they grew up, they were made very aware of that. And I was too, you know, for like all of the times where uh, we would lash out at our parents, I think given how our parents raised us, we almost immediately always saw that as our, like our mistake. Like there was never really a good reason to yell at our parents because they were very rarely blameless. And when they were blameless, like they like sought our forgiveness. You know what I mean? Like they were wow. very humble people. So um, they, you often heard your parents say like, I fucked up. Yeah, I, that absolutely. to me. And that's what I'm hearing more than anything in research is the importance of parents kind of say, because it's inevitable that parents will snap at their kids or yeah. be grouchy or forget to do something. And kids are very, take things very hard. But what I read more than anything is that as long as you, as a parent say, this is me, this is my yeah. thing. I'm a human. I fuck up sometimes. This is not your fault. And it sounds mm -hmm. like you got that. Yes. Because the, otherwise there's no accountability for parents. They, yes. they have free reign to run their house how they want. So if the parent decides to never accept blame for anything or ever, you know, seek forgiveness from, from their children for their mistakes, then their children are going to grow up with an example of someone who never owns up to anything, mm. you know? So, oh, it's so true. You yeah. know, I'm. it's funny because I wasn't even planning on asking any of these questions to you about your own background, but it is just so clear that the way that you speak about your family of like how much your parents did right. And mm -hmm. I think it's so important for my listeners to hear that because a lot of them are parents themselves. And it's like, you're not going to be perfect. You can fuck up, but it's actually what turns kids into really well-adjusted kids who love their parents are parents, just seeing their parents as a flawed human that loves yeah. them. Yeah. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing too, when you can, you can balance being an empathetic understanding parent with also being like remaining an authority figure. Like at yes. the end of the day, I'm still the parent. I'm still in charge. I'm going to be humble when it's, when it's required, but that doesn't mean that I'm like living to like serve my kids or living to, to, you know, be like the, you know, the feeding of whatever they, they need at any point. Yes. That's how you create spoiled kids. So it's a it's hard balance, a balance to strike. I was about to say that yeah. is a fucking hard balance to strike, man. Like yeah. it's hard. I have to say, have you been told that you're like an old soul? Yes. Yeah. You uh, strike me as such an old soul, like, but in such a good way, because I hate when people say, I would never believe you were 20, but like, I would not think you were 20 years old, like speaking to you. Um, but I also don't have much of like a measuring stick. Cause I don't talk to a lot of people that are much younger than me right now. I don't talk to many yeah. people quite frankly. So. <laughs> sure. I'm in the same <laughs> as, boat. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you definitely come across just such like a well-adjusted person with a family who's just like done a good ass job you know? Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Well, all right. A few questions that I have about your video. We're going back to your video. You mentioned that a subreddit on your video, it's like to me, IRL for me, IRL. Yes. So for listeners who don't go on Reddit, like I use Reddit for so much of my research because that's where you actually can understand how people are feeling in my opinion. Um, uh, but you mentioned that, that, uh, subreddit, you discuss how the rise in mental health concerns and existentialism is influencing 
Gen Z humor? I ask that because I think a lot of people that are not Gen Z look at the shit that Gen Z find funny and they're like, what the fuck? Which is why you made your video and you started your video like this. (sighs) Which I also love. And everyone said the beginning cracked them up. So It's so good. It's just this long (laughs) sigh of just like, what the fuck? Yep. And there's like me, like just most unfunny, you need context for the memes just floating around me. But that was, it made people laugh. And it was funny too, because a lot of it was more popular, more mainstream or whatever memes. And so you get different aisles of it where it's like, for me personally, it's like, I found a quarter of it funny. Some people said they laughed the entire time. The other people said, this is like the most, you know, normie uh, crap I've ever seen. So what is normie uh, for the, for the, for the viewers? Of course, uh, normie is the derogatory term used for mainstream things. So, like, a, like a, Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Ellen. Kimmel. Yeah, they would be like normie uh, TV shows or like you know unfunny yeah. memes. If it was like I don't know something like a teacher would post in their room, that's like a normie meme. Like a fucking mini- minion meme. Okay, <laughs> anything from Facebook. Facebook <laughs> as a whole is despised by Gen Z as being a normie platform. Uh, I fucking ha- hardcore relate to that, and I'm millennial, yeah. so I yeah. or like pumpkin spice lattes, very normie, right? Very normie. Ugg boots, very normie. Yes. Any like weird like wooden sign that says "Home is here." <laughs> Yes. Which that, that is, I mean, that is what Gen Z humor is all about. It's like uh, ripping apart like millennials. Well, it's ripping apart everyone. It's like, if I've seen it before, it's trash now. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like there's such a, there's such a, uh, uh, an emphasis and, um, desire for like originality. You mentioned in the video that Gen Z has to be much more covert about their rebellion as compared Mm -hmm. to previous generations. I Mm -hmm loves that. And I like that brings us back to kind of the shaming element. It's almost like they live in a world where they think the whole internet is kind of like waiting to call them out. Yes. Um, but I love how you said, like, you're like other generations rebelled by like showing their ankle above the skirt and smoking cigarettes and like wiggling their pelvis to Elvis. Yep. And so like, what do you mean about this covert rebellion? Right. Well, I think that the main way that people my age express themselves is is online. You know what I mean? Like you you mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily uh, want most people don't want to draw attention to themselves, especially in schools or in other social settings. So how they do that is then when they go home and they become, you know, anonymous to an extent, like you yeah. know, whoever finds your account who probably they won't. Um, and people have like Finstas and shit. Is that even a yeah. thing anymore? Like oh, but they yeah. just have like they have like one account for like so many uh, young people have like one account as like their public persona. Then they have mm-hmm. like their weird account, like their fake account that has like a weird fucking Shrek head. And then they yep. go and follow my page so that people don't know they have BPD, BPD. Right. Right. <laughs> you and, know, well, because and everyone... also they know that they can, they can tweak the algorithm, right? Like if you uh, have like a mental health Instagram, mm-hmm. you can find like, like all the mental health pictures. And if right. you want to like see big booty bitches, you can have one <laughs> account for that. Right. Right. Because everyone and their grandma has an Instagram account at this point. So yep. you need a cover almost uh, wow. for, for what, your internet presence. So yeah. So these people go online, they find like this anonymous, whatever. And a lot of the times like TikTok, like you'll, it's, it's weird being someone who got into TikTok kind of early college. I, I started to find all these people like from high school and they're posting this content as though 
they're like, you know, some big famous person, like a big audience and no one's really watching them, but that's how they express themselves. It's like, this is how I'm seeing other people talk about what they're interested in. Now I'm going to make that content. But because of TikTok's algorithm, where you, you find smaller creators, these people are now getting their content pushed out to more people. Or like in the case of the Reddit, Mm. You post something on Reddit, there are people who just look for the newest thing and immediately so that they can give like their judgment on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So whether it's, it's Reddit or it's TikTok, now these strangers have ways of finding your anonymous internet content anonymous Mm -hmm. and they immediately then are in a position of like as though like i've you know they've created this content for me now i'm going to tell them what i think you know which kind of goes back to how everyone has this really inflated uh, opinion of themselves and very like you know me focused uh uh, worldviews where they're like anything created needs to be something i enjoy otherwise it doesn't have value and they are very vocal about yeah about like their thoughts on and, and, you know, dislike. Well, it's the whole main character thing, isn't it? There was a whole (laughs) fad where it's like, I'm the main character and that's really disturbing. It's really proven that in order to be mentally healthy, you need to not see yourself as the center of the universe. It's actually a key part of psychological health. And right now the message is you need some, you need everyone to validate your feelings. You need everyone to, um, cater to your unique identity and worldview. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, like, while yes, the people that are closest to you and in your intimate relationships, ideally that would be the case. But even in your, a lot of people in like millennial and Gen Z generation, like can't even have a relationship because they, they're like, Oh, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. If you're not validating my feelings, it's like, no, no, human life is very messy and people fuck up and we are not creating an environment where that's possible. So when you as a person create that environment around you and then you wake up one day and no one's around you, you kind of have to be like, "Uh Oh yeah. Mm." Yeah. It's really, really dark and disturbing. But I think that again, I still do believe that there is this like subsection of people that are like us that are, and I'm by no means trying to paint us out as being like well-balanced, like the, 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 the yeah, people no. to be, but I'm just saying, I think there's right. some people that are kind of watching from the sidelines and being like, cause we both have participated in this in one way or another, but we're kind of like pulling back and I'm getting that sense from you too, of being mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm kind of sensing that this isn't good for me. And I need to put measures in place to limit myself because there's amazing things about the internet. The fact that I can like go on and want to do a meditation and my mm-hmm. mom, when she was like parent, she couldn't do that. She'd have to go to the library and get a book or get a CD. And, but now I, I can Google a meditation and I have like 15,000 things to choose from. I can watch yeah. Oxford lectures on my right. laptop, like, but yeah. then you can also watch a bunch of bullshit too. So it's like, we, I hope are at a precipice where people will start to be a little more critical about the things that they consume and set mm-hmm. boundaries up for themselves with their uh, social media use, quite frankly. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big part of using social media that people forget about or miss out on is that you can really cater what it is that you see. You know, like I, mm. I have a lot of friends who are females who, you know, you look at their Instagram feed and it's like a billion models with like, you know, highly edited, you know, photos yes. and bodies and whatever. And they're like, that's, but that, but they, they choose to look at that and take that in. And I'm thinking like, 
there's no benefit to that. And they're like, well, it's just, you know, it's like, it's motivational. And I'm like, no, no, it's it's not. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. It is. I can speak fully to that. You know, I had to delete my Instagram because I was in that world. I had almost 10,000 followers. I was like the quintessential, like editing my waist smaller and doing all the filters. And I just like had to go completely off of it. Um, because no, it's not motivational at all. You can't motivate yourself to become AI because you're a (laughs) fucking human, right? Like it's not motivational at all. It's like, it's literally makes you so depressed. And that's the reason why social media is negatively affecting women so much more than any other gender. And that's not to minimize the impact it's having on other genders. How have you started to create a healthier relationship for yourself with social media? I know you you already touched on it a little bit, but what are kind of your closing thoughts with um, with that and advice for people of your generation of how can you still stay connected? Because that's another thing. It's like mm-hmm. you they can't listen to like a, a boomer, for example, and be like delete all your accounts. It's like that's not a fucking possibility because. Right you then cease to exist in some social circles. So it's like, how can you stay connected and still prioritize your mental health? I think it's really good to um, be able to practice time away from it. Um, For myself, I uh, have tried to pretty consciously decide, uh, like uh, being redundant, uh, it's pretty important to like consciously decide I'm going to do this action with no background noise, like being Mm -hmm. able to like do the dishes in silence or go for a walk in silence has been huge for me just in expanding my, um, my, uh, attention span as well as allowing me time to like process things that I've been putting off by distracting myself. So, um, if that's at all possible, um, I think it's really great to be able to filter kind of what you're taking in like for me on Reddit, I used to follow a bunch of different accounts that were, uh, uh, you know, interests. And, and, you know, when I was younger, like political things or, or, or whatever, but what I was realizing was that it was actually inter- in, in news even, and it was just introducing mm. negativity into my life. And now my Reddit looks like, you know, eye bleach, which is like cute animals and <laughs> awe, which is more cute animals and uh, Star Wars memes. And it's all stuff that just like fills me up and makes me happy. And yes. Um, it's such a better experience. So, so like curating your, uh, your feeds. Like I know that it's helped me to like do mass unfollowing, like of, of things that just kind of like, and it takes a while. I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't do it. Cause it is a pain Mm -hmm. in the ass to do it, especially on Reddit when you've been like, I know if you're like me, like I used to just like fucking like do all the things on Reddit. And so what, I had to, it took me a long time to like really curate my Reddit feed, curate my Instagram to where I don't see that shit anymore. Yeah. And I think that you are making such a good point there. And I think that's a fantastic suggestion. <laughs> One thing, this won't work for everyone, but it's worked for me. Um, I actually no longer have the Instagram app. When I need to use Instagram to check direct mm. messages and to post something, I literally go on the website on my phone. Oh, fuck, you're hardcore. It is the biggest pain in the butt, but I have no desire anymore to go on Instagram. That's because so I'm smart like, of you. I had terrible. to do that with Uber Eats because I was like, I was like, uh oh, I had to literally delete it from yep. my phone because it was yep. too easy. Also with Amazon, deleted oh, yeah. both of them off of my phone. So that's another good tip. I think too, is like another thing I do is 
things that I don't want to spend a lot of time on, on my Mm -hmm. iPhone, I drag them to like the third screen so that Mm -hmm. I have to like swipe over more. And these are things you don't really think about, but, or, uh, you know, turn off notifications on certain apps. Like for me, I didn't delete Instagram. And if you don't want to go as hardcore as Adam, cause that shit's fucking hardcore, but I admire that. Um, you can also just turn off notifications to where, but then you have to have the self-control to just like go in and be like, Oh God, (laughs) what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So my last question for you is, is like, what's next for Adam? Like, what can we look, look forward to? Are you working on anything that you want to like share with the listeners? I'm going to link to your YouTube channel so that everyone can go follow you and keep up with you there and your video. But, um, yeah, I'd love to give you that opportunity on the floor to share that. I, um, Honestly, right now, I'm just working on developing the vision for my YouTube channel moving forward. It's always just been a passion project to me to just make what I want whenever I want. Yeah. Um, but As I like, you should. I, well, I try, but I like too many things. I know. Uh, so, I feel that. I feel that. Know? Yeah. So I'm trying to um, consolidate my, my content right now, but I'm working towards moving um, a little bit in a more interactive um format with my content being able to um have people like call into the show and and and, oh that's cool yeah and interview people and have discussions with people who who you know like my content and and hear what they have to say and have them participate more is is essentially my point so um yeah i guess in 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 summation uh i'm gonna keep making youtube videos probably talking about uh internet culture and uh media like video games and movies and uh if that at all interests you, that's what I do. So I mean, I know that a lot of my yeah. listeners absolutely find that interesting. You know, I'm awesome. just a small uh, piece of the content that they consume. And quite frankly, I'm going out on a limb doing this episode because this episode technically isn't about BPD, but I feel like it's so important for um, my listeners who so many of them are a millennial or Gen Z to understand that like, it's not, you're not crazy for feeling this way. There's a lot of shit at play and a lot of uh, stuff in society that's set up to be making you feel like this. And so awareness, I always say in the podcast is the first step, like becoming aware allows you to then take the steps that you and I have taken, which is like, start going on walks without like turn off the background noise for a while. And then if you're anything like me, Adam, like you start to feel like, oh my God, like this 10 pound weight that I felt that was on my chest, it just kind of feels a little lighter. It doesn't go away because damn, we're in a hard fucking time. And I think for it to go away entirely is too much of an expectation, but it certainly feels lighter. And you start to have ideas again. Like for me, I started to be like, that's another thing with uh, our generation. Like I felt like I wasn't creative anymore. And then the moment I started creating more time for silence, ideas just start coming to you and not right away. But like, eventually you're like, oh, fuck, like that would be cool. And then you, you have to allow yourself to have those conversations in your head. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, as soon as I started to turn off, um, some stuff and make out more time for myself, uh, I have since, uh, written and composed with demo tracks, a musical. I have written one and a half books. I have created more YouTube content than I've ever done. And I would not have had the motivation or the time or, the creativity to even consider that. Cause I thought I was so busy and I realized I'm not, yes. I'm filling my time with time wasters. So, yes. Yeah. That is such be a productive. beautiful, that's a beautiful note to end on. And I think you don't have to be productive with bullshit. It's like allow space and silence for yourself so that like 
the stuff you want to do starts to emerge, you know? Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for like dedicating your time. This was so fun. Like I really enjoyed talking to you and I can't believe that we're separated by like 12 years of age because it's just, it just goes to show though that like our generations have so much in common, quite frankly. And you also don't get to hear, I kind of am feeling too, like this millennial versus Gen Z thing is also like fabricated by BuzzFeed, who's trying to make the word chuggy happen. And does anyone in Gen Z actually say the word chuggy? I've never once heard that. Not even before you said it. I I was not aware that existed. Well, fuck. I just feel like it's drummed up for a bunch of likes and shit. We share share so much. And also, I'm not speaking for the millennials that like pumpkin spice lattes and have wooden signs. They're weird. They can just... Sorry if you're listening. Just throw away your wooden sign. Everyone thinks it's annoying. Um, (laughs) It's so true, though. Like, we're doing you a favor. It's really annoying and weird. Um, But again, I digress. Thank you, Adam, so much for your time today. I really enjoyed this. And I don't get the chance to just talk and not uh, kind of be a character. So (laughs) I know, right? Like, just long form, just chilling and talking. It's, It's a nice, it's a nice change. Absolutely. Well, thank you. All right. So that was my interview with Adam. I hope you enjoyed it. I have to say, I don't think I've ever said like so many times in my life. So I apologize for my extreme use of filler words in this particular episode. I had finished a nine hour work day and I was like really excited to talk to Adam and I just was like word vomiting and I just said like again. So thanks for your patience with that. But isn't he great? He's just fabulous. So please go support him. I'm really excited to continue following him and watch his future content. So the finishing message here is that we're all so similar. We're all human beings. And it's really important that we don't just make vast generalizations about one group of people and understand the interconnectedness and the different things at play and how much this young generation is going through right now. And I hope that this talk helps parents better understand their kids. I hope it helps other people in Gen Z feel seen and heard and not so demonized. I hope that it helps mental health practitioners better understand their clients that are members of Gen Z. So, yeah. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine. And that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. 
To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates, you can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode, so don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.